Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Just recently I saw an article um, in the newspaper where the journalist was commenting on the Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison um, referring to uh, another person as as a brother. And uh, this was another, uh, you know, political associate sort of thing. And he was, um, I, I, I guess my take on the way the article was written uh, was that, um, you know, this whole concept of, uh, you know, Scott Morrison talking about, you know, other people as brothers that were, and sisters that weren't really his uh, brothers and sisters. But of course, this is a, a common practice within the Christian church where um, those of us who believe that Jesus was God um, and believe that through Jesus, we are all brothers and sisters in, in Christ. We are born again in, um, in, in Jesus, through Jesus. And uh, through Jesus, Giving um, as we choose to believe Jesus is God, that um, He came and uh, took our place, uh, died in our place, uh, so that we might have uh, eternal life. And He demonstrated that He was God through His His resurrection, which was attested to, and is attested to historically. And hence, this is the strength and the the faith of Christianity and the hope that we have and the message that Christians have to take to the world. And it, it seems so that the, my take, as I said on this article, was that the, the journalists didn't uh, realise this and coming from a secular view, you know, what is this, you know, talking to some uh, political friend as his brother and, and, and this sort of thing. And this, this is a, a, a real shame because... You know, Christianity um, is, uh, as God has pointed out through the message that Jesus came and the early Christian writers as they understood this, such as Paul, that um, there's no difference between the races. And, and this was emphasised, you know, there's neither Jew nor Greek. You know, everyone was, was equal. All the different races, uh, God wanted his message of love uh, to go out to all the world. And, of course, the, the Bible has this record, too, how we all are descendants of Adam and Eve. And those um, listeners may be I- interested in the book called After the Flood. Um, its uh, subtitle is The Early Post-Flood History of Europe Traced Back to Noah, and it's by Bill Cooper. And it, it, it's a fascinating book where... Um, Bill Cooper has actually traced the the history of Europe back as as far as records go, and how it it matches the biblical um, history from the the flood and the separation of the na- of the nations after the Tower of of Babel, and of course this should you know make us all realise that. We are all literally, you know, distant brothers and, and sisters. And again, as we, we come um, and accept Jesus, our Saviour and Lord, um, and uh, we, we take on Jesus' commandment to, to love God and to, to love each other, 
um, this is the uh, the basis of the of the Christian principle. But the counter to this, of course, is uh, Darwinism, and uh, in particular social. Darwinism, and uh, it's interesting, you know, this whole concept that was coined by Herbert Spencer, a British philosopher uh, of the 19th century in the mid-1800s there, Herbert Spencer actually coined the phrase survival of the fittest, coined this term survival of the fittest, and um, Spencer was a Proponent of um, and probably the originator of of, of scientific of, of rather of social Darwinism, and this social Darwinism was a, a product of Herbert Spencer's uh, loosely based interpretation of Darwin's theory of natural selection. Uh, Spencer believed that uh, species have an innate tendency to strive for self-preservation which leads to competition and ultimately the winner whose strength indicates they are best suited for survival. And um, Taylor, who was a a commentator on this, uh, Carol Taylor, uh, he wrote a a very interesting article uh, back in um, the uh, early 1980s in the Journal of Black Studies, Volume 11, Uh, pages uh, 449 to 460. And he points out that if biological... Spencer pointed out that biological organisms evolve gradually by eliminating those individuals least fitted for survival. It was then sought that social organisms must evolve at the same geological rate by the same process of elimination. And so when this um, theory was applied by imperialistic um, societies, uh, this concept asserts that groups that are more economically or technologically or politically advanced than neighbouring groups will naturally dominate and conquer. And, of course, we we saw that this um, um, has happened in the past. And this um, theory... This evolutionary type theory was used to promote and validate the um, this superiority of of one race over another. the The theory of evolution states that there are inherent limitations on species improvement, and that species eventually encounter a predetermined point that they are unable to progress beyond. So, this concept was applied in social Darwinism to actually prevent social mobility. And uh, that led to the belief that a a group or a species in position in society is is fixed or has minimal capacity for improvement. And it's very interesting that uh, Lindsay Pressman um, has uh, published an article on this uh, titled how evolution was used to support scientific racism. And if um, any of the listeners want to look it up, uh, just Google how evolution was used to support scientific racism. And um, Lindsay um, you know, makes, uh, an, in uh, her essay, makes a number of 
important observations that the and one of those is that um, the uh, principle of social Darwinism was used um, to uh, label particular people as being unfit or inferior. Um, and it's interesting that back in uh, 1884, um, Harvard University Dean Nathan uh, Nathaniel Shaler claimed that blacks were becoming extinct and this became a popular argument used to demonstrate black inferiority um, as a result of natural order. Um, again, those uh, people who want to read up on this, um, that's in uh, Carol's article as well, um, in uh, uh, Carol Taylor's article uh, as well. So this whole idea of racial domination was sustained through social Darwinistic principles and um, the, these principles actually came to be perpetrated by political and economic gains of the dominant groups, of course. Um, so it's very interesting how evolution and this whole concept of evolution and the term survival of the fittest was used to um, promote within society this whole concept of uh, racism. And it's interesting, through the application of weak research methodologies, um, any evidence contradicting the societal preconceived racist convictions was manipulated or suppressed um, in the past. And so this led to the development of scientific racism, which provided a justification for the domination of uh, one group of people over another group of people that were regarded as being in inferior. And one of the aspects that Charles Darwin's theory of evolution was uh, was used, how it was used to support scientific racism, was this whole concept of instinctive disgust. So, under Darwin's theory. Members of a species will have an inherent feeling of repulsion and a tendency to avoid anything that could be harmful or a threat to their survival. So scientists promoting scientific racism use this theory to validate um, implicit abhorrence towards these inferior beings, claiming that it must be due to evolutionary means. And so by presenting certain groups of people as inferior beings, as something of a, a deleterious nature to the dominant group and even a threat to their survival, other particular race groups, dominant race groups, were able to provide a scientific basis for the practice of racial exclusion. And um, the thing was that this particular mindset negated the idea that this racial hatred could be learned or that it's derived from environmental factors and instead presented racial hatred as something natural and biological as part of evolution. And so this was a very, very subtle and very sinister point that was raised. In other words, this whole concept evolved from... Darwin's theory or came out of Darwin's uh, theory of evolution that racial hatred was something natural and biological and something essential 
for the survival of then of that race compared to another race. And we can see how this sort of thinking, you know, has underpinned um, a lot of, uh, um, you know, sociology theories and, and so forth. Um, because, and, and is definitely so opposed to the biblical teaching that, um, that Jesus uh, came and, and gave. Um, there's a, an interesting uh, theory, of course, that was developed in the early 1900s that presented the idea that civilization, including political and social order, is based on race. And um, uh, one of the very strong uh, uh, proponents of this was Joseph Arthur de Gobneo, and um, he published a, a piece called Essay on the Inequality of the Races, um, in which he declared that there were division of races into white, black and yellow. Uh, so, again, people want to look that up, essay on the inequality of the races. And this led to um, a, a, a supremacy or a Nordism, which is the idea that you know, there are these superior races. Um, and this led to the Nordist supremacy, the belief that the Aryans or whites were the only ones capable of creating thinking and civilization building, which is you know, a crazy idea really when we think you know, of the <laughs> amazing achievements and, and buildings historically of, um, of other groups of people. And um, there, there are some amazing, crazy ideas that came out of this whole concept uh, of um, ideas that were developed in universities, in philosophy schools, sociological schools and so forth, where they assumed the theory of evolution and based on evolution, uh, evolutionary concepts. Because this whole idea of the theory of evolution then replace the Bible, replace the whole Christian value system to love one another, that we were all created in the image of God. And this is a very important point that the Bible brings out, that mankind, humans, are created in the image of God. And that's why we're all equal. We're all created in that image. But the theory of evolution states that there are inherent limitations on species improvement. Um, and that's and um, this led to, you know, sort of amazing uh, this whole concept of racial domination, uh, which was sustained through social Darwinist principles, and was then perpetrated by political and um, economic gains. Another uh, movement that essentially developed out of the concept of the theory of evolution was the eugenics movement. And um, this was essentially developed by uh, Francis Galton. Um, and it's the theory that character qualities um, of uh, people determines, the innate character of, of people determines hereditary ability. And um, this ideology, of course, completely disregarded the influence of an individual's environment or, or poverty and, 
and uh, so forth and declared that criminality and laziness were heritable traits and they were associated with certain racial groups. Um, and so this is uh, so um, the whole idea was that races vary intellectually and morally just as they do physically. And this led to the idea that the human race could be improved through selective breeding. Um, and that, in turn, then, provide even stronger foundation for acts of racial domination. Um, and we know, um, you know, some of the terrible uh, consequences of um, uh, eugenics. Um, Galton believed that Negroes were at least two grades below Anglo-Saxons in mental ability. Um, and this was, and the whole idea was um, he was motivated to help guide society to achieving his superior race by promoting breeding between superior groups and discouraging genetic mixing. And according to Darwin's theory of evolution, spe uh, species members seek certain traits in their mates, the, those that will ultimately pass down the most favourable and advantage features to their offspring. And so this purposeful mating concept was manipulated by scientists to support scientific racism and utilised to promote racial exclusivism. So um, Lindsay Pressman just brings these points out all through her essay. It's, uh, I think it's a very, very powerful essay. Um, and again, how evolution was used to support scientific um, racism. It's really sad uh, to think that we continue to promote evolution in, in schools. It's so... It, it's so sad. And, of course, today, you know, probably people, um, you know, want to, you know, sort of say, oh, no, evolution isn't responsible for racism. There are other factors. But really when we look at the history of it, um, evolution provided the um, academic climate for all these ideas to, to grow, survival of the fittest, superior of one race over the other, the, that uh, members would, uh, of, a, of a race would seek to mate with someone that's going to give them the, the most dominant features and hence in, if a particular so-called race had uh, you know, inferior characteristics, well, you wouldn't want to mate with them, this sort of thing. And this is, this is so, so sad. And it's so opposite to what the Bible teaches, that we are all made in the image of God. We are all equally endowed with ability. And I think this has been demonstrated by, by the illustration that you know, great scientists, doctors, artists and so forth have come back from all the races, from, come from all the race groups in terms of that, and athletic prowess, all these aspects are there. We're, we're equal. But it's very difficult for people who grow up in, in poverty to, um, you know, to get uh, the same advantage, to get the same education and to be able to demonstrate their God-given abilities. 
And I guess what concerns me most is too that there's this subtle movement to remove the Bible from schools, to remove education about the Bible from schools. We're all willing to teach people about, you know, evolution and, of course, um, you know, it, it was evolutionary principles that led to the development of the IQ test and all these sort of things. And the IQ tests um, are things that uh, that rank uh, people according to a perceived so-called um, in ability. I can remember um, talking to um, uh, one friend I know, um, and uh, and that that person was saying that when they did their IQ test uh, at the end of primary school. When they went into high school, they were um, put in a class. And remember, the classes used to be uh, arranged A, B, C, D. You know, in some schools, they went to down to J. Well, just about, you know, just imagine how you felt if you were allocated into a class J. And um, this person was allocated into one of the lower classes, and they felt so bad about that. Um, but it and it drove them to work really hard to get into a class with a with a higher rating, and they eventually got into a B class. But the thing was that those IQ tests were, in, as I recall, were heavily biased towards people who had, for example, a strong ability in maths, and. Um, and that sort of thinking and being able to recognise uh, geolom- uh, geometric properties and, and these sort of things. Um, and they were allocated into the, into the senior classes. But this was all the sort of thing that was happening when I was at school in, in, in the 1950s. And we can see this evolutionary basis um, and it's led to so many wrong things and this whole concept of, of racism and the inferiority of one race to another and, and so forth um, as one of the products that has evolved out of this teaching of evolution and evolution dominating, the theory of evolution dominating in our academic academies and replacing the biblical principles. And I think this should be a really clear warning message to us of the importance of the biblical scriptures scriptures that teach we are all made in the image of God. There is neither, from God's perspective, there's neither Jew nor Greek or, or any particular race. There's, there, there's no race. We're all equal before God. We're all equally loved before God. And the important message of Christianity is that we love all people, every, everybody. We're all equal. We are all like brothers and sisters, like the Australian Prime Minister was uh, uh, talking and using those terms in, in, um, in reference at that time. And I think also this should ring the alarm bells. How many other errors is the teaching of evolution which is a false teaching. It's a false theory, as I've talked many times on this program before. There's no scientific basis for the theory of evolution. You know, scientists have tried to demonstrate uh, evolution in the laboratory by breeding bacteria. It doesn't happen. 
Um, we look in the fossil record for evidence of evolution. We just see clearly defined species. They're there and then they're not there. They become extinct. We don't see them gradually evolving. Sure, you can you know, sort uh, species out and, and produce some sort of chain. Um, and so, oh, well, look, this is changing, you know, there's a higher organism there, but there's not a progressive link of intermediates showing this. They're just individual creatures. And you think if there was a flood and things had to get buried, certain creatures would end up down at the, the bottom and other creatures would end up, you know, higher up um, in, in the mess that followed uh, because of different abilities to survive, different places where they were in the in their natural environment and so forth. And the flood makes so much sense. The, the geologic column makes so much sense that that's what actually happened. And when we look at the long ages and, and time frames that they claim, we know we do the radiometric dating on rocks that we actually know and we uh, the age is only, you know, hundreds or a thousand years or so and we still get millions of years. And so... We have so much evidence that the theory of evolution doesn't work. But when we look at the Bible, we have evidence it does work. Um, I was talking with a group of uh, Christians and they said, you know, one of the things is that when we accept Jesus as our saviour and truly believe in God, the creator God who made us and uh, ideally made a planet that was meant to be free from sin and evil, and when we see the, and look at our own behaviour and the behaviour of humans, it fits exactly what the Bible describes. And changes in people make, when they accept Jesus and they turn away from evil, the wonderful changes, the wonderful positive changes that are made um, are powerful evidence that Christianity, the message of Christianity is real, that God is real, that the Holy Spirit is real. And... To me, this is just so important that young people know this. And this is something that really should be still taught in our schools. Evolution was an interesting theory, but it's led to major disasters. It's led to totalitarian um, regimes. Uh, it's led to mass um, you know, killings of, of people can be traced to um, the theory of evolution. Um, you know, the the book The Devil's Delusion uh, clearly um, elucidates the evidence for that. And we, we have this evidence around us um, of the negative impact of the teaching of the theory of evolution. You've been listening to Faith and Science. And remember, if you want to listen to any of these programs, just Google... 3ABN Australia, or one word, .org.au, and click on the listen button. And if you're interested, you find these programs helpful, um, please mention them on your social media sites. Refer people to the 3ABN programs. On the 3ABN television, there's also uh, a program looking at uh, the different chapters in my book, Evolution Impossible. So again, if you go to 3abnaustralia.org.au and go onto the television, catch up, watch, there's Evolution Impossible there. There's also um, conversations where I go through systematically, chapter by chapter, uh, my book Evolution Impossible, um, 
and that's in Science Conversations on the radio program there. And remember, there's a massive amount of information on the website creation.com. If you Google that, there are many, many answers to uh, different creation questions. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Have a great day. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. 